Right. Hello, everyone. I'm Barrett Anderson, COO of Future and Review and Strategic News Service. And I'm here today for our weekly uh, video podcast with Mark Anderson, CEO of SNS and Pattern Computer. We are going to talk a little bit today about some of your work in both of those worlds, Mark, um, but specifically focused on the upcoming issue of Strategic News Service which um, I'm hoping you might just start off by telling us a little bit about. Well, I thought of the catchy name for this of Catching Cancer. And um, the subtext of it or the subhead is something to do with um, the story of infection in, in, in getting cancer. And I've, I'm about half done writing the uh, global report on this, so it's not done yet. But this is an issue I've been interested in for over a decade, and it's a really big, big story, I think. So um, tell me a little bit more about uh, where you came up with the idea for next week's issue. Uh, as you know, Barrett, as part of my family, we have a family member who unfortunately got cancer a long time ago, and uh, she had throat cancer. And I started looking into the science at that time and they had, uh, in one of the papers I found online, taken uh, photographs of cell cultures from throat cancer. And in those pictures uh, were carefully identified HPV, human papilloma, papilloma virus, HPV particles in the cells, but they were not identified as being causative. They were simply identified. And um, uh, in that case, uh, that, that member of our family had been able to be treated by MD Anderson Cancer Center, probably the best cancer center in the country. And that, uh, at that time, uh, that group was run by a doctor named Kai Hong. And so um, the good news was, of course, that our family member was saved, and that's terrific. Um, but it made me curious, and it made me wonder if there was a correlation between throat cancer and HPV, which at that time was not known. Um, uh, and so I wrote a paper about it and then Kai Hong, who was an expert at that, in that type of cancer, wrote his own paper, a, a peer reviewed paper, which mine was not, um, about, I don't know, four or five, six months later. And that I believe was the first scientific peer reviewed paper claiming either at least a correlation between, between that virus and, and throat cancer. Um, later made very famous by Michael Douglas. So uh, um, that was my, my beginning interest. And I very quickly started to wonder if there wasn't more than one cancer for which this might be true. Well, it's interesting because in women's health, right, HPV has been a precursor to, uh, I believe, ovarian cancer for a long time. Cervical, cervical cancer. Cervical cancer, yeah. 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 Um, very high so, correlation. But, it, but it's interesting that it hasn't, given the very known close correlation in that case mm -hmm. or causation even mm -hmm. um it's interesting that, that no there hasn't been as much research around that in other cases i'm going to make a one of probably several fairly blunt statements about the state of research in this but it appears to me as though most if not all of the medical community in the united states went that direction and they started treating all these issues as sexual transmitted diseases, period. Mm -hmm. Period, period, period. So um, 
that put it into a compartment which is very safe. I guess, and you know, not threatening. You know, for us from a certain perspective, and the rest of the conversation we can have today, if you want to, could be about that error, right? And what that what that meant to the future of research into the real question of was there a much larger story there? Right, but the link between viruses and and cancer. Yeah, and that and that, I think that decision, you know, it created a huge amount of stigma around HPV. As a an STI or uh, yeah, despite right. the fact that there was no way to tell in men at that time if you if anyone was infected with it, right? So both men and women get HPV. We'll probably go back down the HPV path in a minute, but um, as a sexual transmitted disease, and uh, so that's well known. Mm-hmm. Both sexes have that problem. So, okay, so let's switch gears. So um, you found out about this, you, you noticed this HPV in the slides. Um, you did some more research on that. It was, additional research was, was created, peer reviewed research was created. Um, but at the time it was very unknown in the medical world that there mm-hmm. might be a direct link between viruses in general and cancer. Yes, yes. cancer was, yes. When I went to Stanford, cancer was explained as uh, cosmic rays hitting DNA, causing random mutations, and occasionally, once in a great while, leading to cancer. And that was, or a chemical insult of some kind. You know, if you took some kind of toxin, that could also mutate your your uh, DNA. So you made a pretty well publicized bet about this at one point with uh, Nobelist Lee Hartwell. Can yes. you tell me a little bit more about that? So Lee is a great guy. He's, he used to be the director of the Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center. So there's a lot of credibility in the world of cancer, um, in, in addition to his prize. Um, and we had him at our FIRE conference twice. And so the first time he was on stage with me at FIRE, I, I don't know where I got the idea, but I just out of the blue, I said, I want to make a bet with you, Lee. He said, what is it? And I said, I want to bet that uh, on how many, what percentage of cancers are caused by infectious agents and he said, okay. And I said, I'm betting half. That's a, that's, you know, at that time, that was an outrageous, even now it is. And, and he said, okay, I'll go for a third. So that was our, our first of two bets. So who won that bet? Well, I don't think win is the right attitude to take toward this thing between Lee and me. But I will say that it, um, about three years later, we had him back at fire. And I said, okay, I want to update the bet. He goes, okay. I said, I want to go to two thirds. He said, I'll go to half. So um, I I wouldn't call that winning, but he's definitely coming my direction. Mm -hmm. And so has there been other, like how many count, what's what's the current state of this today? How many cancers are widely believed to be caused by infectious agents? So um, I think I'll just say it again. Here's my next blunt statement. I believe that the industry or whatever I'm called cancer business is very far behind on this. I can give you the numbers. It, in, in the U.S., uh, if you look at the CDC site, which I've recently done for this report, I think they say 13 or 14 percent is general U.S. number uh, of all cancers could be caused by, by vir- viral agents or bacterial agents or parasites. Um, the WHO, which seems to be a bit smarter and it's dealing with emerging nations as well as with the United States, says twice that many. So they're, up, they're approaching a third. They're saying like 30%. They say 30%, yeah. yeah. 
So, um, but I'll say it again, even no matter what, who you're looking at, I don't think they're anywhere close to, to understanding the real numbers. So are you trying to update your bet now? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna stay in the 66 minds. I, I think two thirds is probably, if you allow for the various ways that a, uh, a virus, for instance, can cause trouble and lead to cancer, it isn't just direct infection. That's number one, let's say. There's also, it can cause inflammation and inflammation can lead to cancer. And then it can also cause other problems with your immune system and that can lead to cancer. So there are various ways viruses and bacteria could act that result in cancer without being direct cause, they can be indirect cause. And if you add those together, I think I'm probably pretty safe at two thirds. Okay, all right, Let's, we'll take your word for it for now. Right. Okay. Um, you. So you mentioned, you mentioned there's a difference in the rates of perceived um, infection-based cancers in the U.S. versus in developing countries. What, what, where does, what's going on there? Hard to know when you're comparing the medical establishments of, of uh, emergent nations, you know, Africa or somewhere else, with places like Europe or the United States. But um, there are some really deep re research-related problems here, I think. So the, the simple answer that you'd be told on the web would be uh, there are more infections, period. Mm -hmm. in emerging nations? And that's the answer. All right, probably true. But um, here's what happened when I tried to do a deep dive through the CDC uh, on this question. I went to the CDC. I found all the lists of all the cancers they, that they agree are caused by um, bacteria or by viruses or, or by parasites. And then um, you do a deeper dive. You go, okay, well, now how does the research work on this? You find out, let's say you're a frontline doctor in Missouri somewhere, and you have somebody who's got cancer, and you think there's some interrelationship there. You go to the CDC site, it tells you which and only which cancers are caused by a bug. You then decide, based on what you were told by their website, whether or not that person has it, and you file a report saying what they told you to say right. without actually doing any research. So under the current medical process, there's no way to identify new types of cancer. They could, but it's not encouraged. It's not like, how do you put it? It seems to me as though it's a bit circular. And, yeah. um, um, you know, I think doctors who are on the front lines are, are just doing what they're told instead of perhaps being more aggressive in their search for answers. It is true in general that doc, medical doctors are not research scientists. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't really understand that. Yeah, and they so, are trying to be. <laughs> at a time. And so their reporting may, may generate the numbers that we're talking about today. And, and at the same time, I think we can confidently say they're the wrong numbers. Mm -hmm. They're undercounting. Interesting. I'll give you an example, Barrett. Let's go back to HPV for a second. So with HPV, a, it's treated like an STD, right? Yeah. Okay. So immediately out of the box, uh, you've got a problem. It's only if you got a vaccine, it's only for one type of HPV, period. And oh, there are 150. 150 types. 150. Mm -hmm. Now you can only get that one. Okay. So fine. You know, that's the STD story done. And then you find out, oh, well, actually, there are, um, I'll make up a number a known number, which is probably gonna be like eight to 12 cancers that are caused by HPV somehow or other. Mm 
And it turns out also HPV can team up with other things like chlamydia maybe or something else and cause cancer as in a dual way, mm-hmm. enabling way somehow. Well, how many of the 150 HPV variants, right? Right. It could actually be correlated with some kind of cancer. I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows. So, you know, there's a problem there. And uh, that's a pretty good example, I think, of a larger, even larger issue, which has to do with other viruses and other bacteria. Hmm. So, okay, given, given this hypothesis that you have, uh, how does that adjust the average person? their approach to thinking about cancer diagnosis or uh, like what should, what should a normal person do about this? Never go outside and don't lick your fingers. You know, it's, it's, a more, <laughs> it's a more dangerous world without good answers in terms of today. But the, I think there's a happy story here, which is if this hypothesis is correct and people can do the research much more broadly, they will help that happen. And, and identify the correlations between various cancers and various bugs. We've gotten so good during the last two years at making vaccines right. that you can imagine an, an era that's not too far in the future when um, medical researchers, like you know, we've already done with COVID, could quickly, very quickly, like within weeks or months, create vaccines for multiple cancers. And then um, you know, give them to to uh, whoever wants. Them. And and one of the one of the really big fails, in my opinion, about current administration of vaccines like the HPV vaccine is not only that it's the wrong vaccine, just for one instead of for many, but um, it's only given to kids. And in fact, in the medical profession, it's called out of protocol if you are older and you want to get a shot. Right. There is a there is a shot. There's I think it's an eleven valent shot of HPV where at least. 11 of those 150 variants are addressed, right? Well, you'd have to get your doctor to specially request and give you special permission to go out of protocol because you're too old to be allowed, you know, you're not 11 years old to be allowed to have that. And and I think that's just wrong in so many different ways that um, right. it, it should be allowed for older people. It shouldn't be reduced only for to the practice of, of STD passage. It ought to be about anti-cancer in general, and um, and yeah, a- the other the other thing that 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 I was told when I was uh, growing up was that if you have already had HPV in general, you can't have the HPV vaccine. Right. So what you're saying is that that would also be kind of garbage because there are at least eleven kinds of HPV in that vaccine. And an individual might have had one of those kinds or two of those kinds, even in the vaccine would still be useful for the other eight kinds. True. And I'll ask you one more fun question in the same path. COVID? Now, what were they saying? They said, oh, if you've already had them, don't have a booster shot or don't yeah, have, yeah, yeah. don't have a, wait a minute. I got to understand this. Really? Are you sure? Because it awfully much seems like the government's telling us we should have many, many shots for COVID. But I guess that's different because, you know, it's different. Anyway, I'm making fun of them, but um, I, don't, I don't trust any part of that. All right. So if you're an individual, you can go to your doctor and uh, beg them for an HPV vaccine, which no. may be able to help in some cases uh, your own potential for cancer. 
mm-hmm. moving forward. Yes. What about what about like the rest of the world? So um, are there things that you would recommend other parts, you know, other aspects of the medical industry do or work on or think about or focus Yeah, on? yeah, absolutely. I think we just covered it. No, I, I hope that maybe we get something started here at least with the next GR and, and with this podcast and get people mm-hmm. interested in a making more aggressive studies of which cancers correlate with which bugs, and then B, start manufacturing many, uh, not, not one, but many different vaccines that can be multivalent and put together into one shot maybe, or two shots or three shots. And imagine a time not too long from now where no matter how old you are, whether you're 10 or whether you're you know 70, you can get a shot or five shots, what do you want, and, and get a much increased protection against getting cancer. Well, if you're if you're uh, wildly uh, not <laughs> if, you're, if your hypothesis is correct, yeah, right, yeah. and that and that was it is the case. the The potential benefit would be up to three quarters or two thirds protection against cancer. Yeah, yeah, which is huge. You, you could protect against two thirds of the cancers that are out there. So I'm, I'm going to close with a um, rather an, a softball question for you, because I suspect you have a good answer for this, because in addition to writing next week's global report and acting as the CEO of, of Strategic News Service, you also run a company called Pattern Computer mm-hmm. in your spare time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious what how you all are thinking about this problem. Well, Pattern has not approached this question yet, although it's been it's been suggested recently that we do. So um, I, I think I'll take this back to our team at Pattern, see if they're interested, and if there's enough data in the public, you know, libraries available uh, that where we could actually do some runs and and check for patterns of of correlation, we would I think we'd love to do that, and that might be a, a further instigation inspiration to other researchers who are better qualified to look this up. Um, but I can also tell you, Barrett, um, I don't know if you know this, but um, I, I, we started a little club now uh, where I live called the Trailblazers. And it's um, my friends and I. Is it just and, you guys in the garage injecting each other with HPV vaccines? Kind of, kind <laughs> of like that. So um, we have a, a doctor who we really like here, and he has agreed to give us all prescriptions for multivalent HPV. And some of us have gone over um, to the mainland, as they say, at, to a large uh, grocery store and gotten HPV shots uh, just recently. Wow. Um, so we're starting to, we're trying to start a bow wave of uh, interest in doing this. So you're well, really, you're really eating your own dog food in there. You're eating your own dog food. And, and, you know, my hope is that it'll be inspiring to other people to do the same thing. Uh, I'm not a doctor and I'm not saying anybody will benefit from this medically. I can't say that. But but I'm but it doing would it. Reduce, at the very least, it would reduce your chances of getting HPV. True, <laughs> true, and eleven different types. If there and was no causation, I don't think <laughs> there's any downside here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the shot doesn't hurt, and you know, that's it. I think it's it's not very expensive. That's not cheap, but it's not very expensive. And if it turns out that it's a life or death thing, and you got it right, wow, take it. Yeah. So this is just the first, it's almost a political step in a sense, but I think it's a smart move. It's, it's, a personal, it's not just a political step. It's a, it's a personal health step, right? It's a, it is. 
hey, I think that there's enough behind this that I am willing to, that I want to go out and get this for myself, even though it is not widely accepted medical practice. That's right. And if, you know, if it were possible for me to get four more shots, each of which were for 11 kinds of cancer, wow, I'd do it. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where the medicine is, I think, on it. And that's, I'm just hoping to inspire other people to get on the train. Well, I'm inspired. Yeah, well, my buddies are inspired. They're also, they're all lining up now. It's pretty funny. You can become a trailblazer too. I will. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you for this conversation. It's been super interesting. And it also bears the distinct uh, honor of being the first video podcast I've ever made with my dad about HPV. <laughs> Probably the last. <laughs> In addition to our professional connection. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. So, so with the, the global report on this comes out next week, and we hope you'll all read the SNS global report.